Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening. The one thing we both have in common is muddy muddy boots. boots. A garden is simply not complete without trees. They add colour and structure to the garden, provide food and homes for our wildlife and necessary shade and protection for other plants and for us from the hot summer sun. No matter how large or small your garden is, there is a tree that will work for you. And to help you choose that tree, on today's podcast, Keith is going to tell us what his top 10 shade trees are for the Australian garden. Now, Keith, before choosing a shade tree, there are a few important things to consider. Your location, the type of soil you have, the amount of available space and its position in the garden, i.e. not under power lines. Mm. The style of your garden is important too, and whether you want shade all year round or would prefer the sunlight coming through during the winter months. Have I missed anything? No, I think you've covered the lot there. Great! I'm looking forward to hearing the names of your top ten shade trees. What do you have at number one, Keith? Okay. Well, the first thing I'd like to sort of say is that the subject that we've chosen is shade trees. Yeah. Okay, so a well-chosen sh- well shade tree can deliver a cooling air temperature beneath of at least 10 to 15 degrees on a hot summer day. How about that? Very necessary. Yeah. So my number one is common name is full moon maple. Mm. Its botanical name is Acer japonicum vitifolium. And this tree grows to a mature height um, of five metres by five metres wide. And it is a moderate growing rate. And this is the proper Japanese maple, not the Acer palmatum, which everyone thinks that's the Japanese maple. This is the true Japanese maple. So it has the most incredibly deeply lobed leaves that become brilliant orange and red in autumn and the leaves when you stand back from it they've got this almost a circular appearance about it but they're incredibly shaped lobed inside but they look like a full moon with that with that color and that's where the name the name comes from the full moon maple, Acer japonicum vitifolium. And you, I think, suggested that I put one in my garden. Yes, and I and, think and I, I will. And, and I know where it's going. Don't oh, you dear. worry. Got it worked out already. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, number two. Number two. It's another another Acer, another maple. And this one is Acer platinoid globosum. Mm. And this is a, a bald designer maple. And it gets to about five metres tall. And the actual ball on the top is four metres wide. And this is a perfect plant for a focal point or for courtyards or for small gardens. Mm. It is just a stunning-looking plant. And our listeners are going to have to Google these plants to actually see just how beautiful they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Georgina can add that to the notes, add the names to the notes so that they can can. uh, research. And, funnily enough, Mm. my third choice is another maple. Well, they are beautiful, so it's not (laughs) So this one here is Acer platinoids. And this is the Crimson Century. So this gets to seven metres tall and is about four metres wide. So this makes it perfect for small gardens. And again, also a perfect tree for a focal point, as this tree has attractive purple foliage, oh. which, is, which can be a real um, focal point within the landscape. And so these first three that I've spoken for, and, and number four, these are all smaller 
trees for smaller gardens. Right. So um, the ones after that will be slightly, slightly bigger, bigger again. Okay. So number four, mm. I call this a win-win small tree. It's called Persimmon Fuyu. Yes. Uh, and this has superb, large, shiny green leaves and an incredible autumn display of orange leaves. But the, the beauty about this and the other win is that this beautiful plant has magnificent orange fruits mm. that hang on the branches as the leaves all fall. And the fruit sizes are, are as big as an apple and they're eaten like an apple. Mm. So crunchy rather than the other varieties of persimmons where you have to wait for them to go all rotten mm -hmm. and soggy and mushy before you can actually eat them. Mm. And this particular plant has a distinctive sweet flavour and there is no core to the actual fruit. But a stunning little specimen tree. I've got one right outside my bedroom um, window and French doors and it is a beautiful tree that I just look at all year round. Gorgeous. Yeah. Number five. All right, so this, now we're going to step into the medium um, shade trees. So this one here is, is, is an elm, and it's called Ulmus glabra camperdowni. And this is an incredible flat-top elm, which has large, spreading, contorted um, branches, and they get to about four metres to six metres high, but it can spread up to 13 metres across. Now, I first saw this in, in a garden in England probably 15 years ago. And it, if you could imagine being a child sitting underneath, hiding mm -hmm. underneath, underneath this tree, it is just incredible. And the difference in the temperature underneath this tree is absolutely incredible because it's just like a, like a great big old-fashioned um, lady's skirt you know Parasol. that goes, goes oh, all oh, the way skirt. down to okay. the down to the ground you know Gorgeous. it's just absolutely magnificent yeah so Olmus glabra camper down eye so that's for a medium sized garden for a medium sized garden the width of that tree yep. yeah yep now the next one is a plant called nissa sylvatica and the common name for this is black tupelo mm. and this has an incredible display of autumn foliage that spans the colour spectrums uh, of, of autumn beauty. Uh, the branches in this tree are almost horizontal, giving it a layered appearance, with or without leaves, and it gets to about eight metres tall and by, by five metres wide. But is, this is a stunning autumn foliage tree, and the branches are just absolutely incredible. Okay. All right, now we get now into our top taller ones. I was about to say, a lot of these are deciduous, aren't they? The, well, these They've are all deciduous. been deciduous so far. These yes. have all been deciduous yes. so far. Yep. I've saved the best to last. <gasps> okay, I'm waiting. Go. <laughs> all right, so the taller variety, and I'm talking a tree that's going to get to 12 metres high mm. by 8 metres wide, um, but a stunning plant. This is Acer rubrum, and this is the red maple. Mm. Um, and this is the red tree, the, the red foliage tree that is seen in uh, northern american forests in the, you know it just stands out in, in the autumn and this tree produces one of the best deep cooling shade trees and it is also fire retardant Ooh. because it's the, the leaves are so full of moisture yeah. that it, in the even in the you know on a you know in a bushfire day it's a tree that you you would go near oh, for protection it's just yep. absolutely superb yep number eight Getting through them very quickly. Number eight, go. Number eight, um, Caladendron capense alba. Now, this the common name for this is the white cape chestnut, and this is a native of South Africa. And this tree is covered with white candelabra flowers that stand up. Wow! 
so they don't hang yeah, down like yeah. most. They they're just standing up, so it just looks like the whole series of candelabra, candelabras on yeah. on a on a tree. And we saw we saw one of these just last weekend um, on down down in East Gippsland. Just absolutely stunning. Mm. Now these these little white cam- candelabra flowers are highly perfumed, so that's another big you know bonus for this particular trees. Mm-hmm. Um, the leaves are a deep green and they're very, very glossy and it's a dazzling tree, either planted just as a specimen tree or as an avenue tree to line the driveways. Mm. It's just absolutely brilliant for this dramatic landscape effect. It sounds like brilliant. a massive a massive candelabra itself. Yeah, it is. candles. The flowers sound like candles sitting on a massive candelabra. Yeah, and this is the white the white form. Mm. Uh, they do have a pink form as oh, well. Oh, how beautiful. So, so just a beautiful plant. Yep. Number nine. Yes. Now, this is an evergreen tree. Oh, there you go. And the common name for this tree is the Argentine ombu. Heard of it, yes. All right, so Phytolacca diosiae. Um, this is an evergreen shade tree. It can be deciduous in very, very cold climates. Mm. It is, um, it, this tree is of mammoth proportions. So... To give you an example, if you've been in, been to the Sydney Botanic Gardens and walked through there, you'll see their Morton Bay figs, which are just enormous yep. with these great yep. big buttress roots and so forth. Mm. Well, this tree leaves that for dead. Wow. It is just an absolute stunner. Um, it's incredibly fast growing and it will, it will tolerate um, incredible conditions, even, even in drought tolerant. It's, it's drought tolerant. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it, so, it has um, beautiful leaves that have a, an incredible pink blush along the margins. It is just stunning. I, I, I put one in a garden in St Kilda where it is, it is shaded by a, um, um, a London plane tree. Right. And the, this, this tree is probably only about five years old and would all, already be six metres tall and with these great big leaves, like, like a Morton Bay fig, but with that beautiful pink blush that, that yeah. runs around it. Yeah. Um, but as, as I said, it is fire, t- fire retardant um, and just brilliant for a whole range of climate. You could put them right out in the middle of the desert just about. It's, it'll, it'll tolerate these sorts of conditions. Okay. <clears throat> it gets to 18 metres tall by 15 metres wide with all these huge buttress root system. Be a great place for kids to go and hide and play in, you know, just amazing. Yeah. And that's a ripper, ripper of a tree. Great. Are we done? No, we've got I thought one there more. was another one. Number, Number 10. 10. Number 10. Woo-hoo. All right, this, this is a tree that um, there are four of these just down the road from where I live heading down the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and this tree is Serotonia siliqua. Right. And it's otherwise known as the carob tree. Right. Okay. Yes. This tree is used extensively throughout the Barossa Valley as their street trees. So it's a beautiful evergreen tree. And one of the most interesting things about this particular plant is it produces its flowers inside the tree. Inside, inside the tree. The tree. Right. Yeah, so you've got to actually go in underneath it and look up. Uh-huh. And then the display, when you're looking up, through you know the flowers is just absolutely incredible mm. um and you've got to have a male and a female in order to get the carobs and the male flowers are, are actually more stunning to look at than the female flowers but i guess if you wanted me to describe the flowers like miniature 
um, grevilleas, but in mass, oh, you know, so beautiful. little tiny grevillea flowers on, on big stamens and stems all the way up through it. So it's mm. an absolute stunning tree. Mm. And it runs, as I said, the flowers run all the way on, on the inside. So if you want to get the pods that you make the, 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 the chocolate substitute, you've got to have both the male and the, and the female. Um, and the tree size of this particular variety is, is about seven meters high by about seven meters wide. Wow. Um, but yeah, just as be- just a beautiful tree. And it's, it's, it, it is a tree that is just so tough. And that's why they chose to put it through the, you know, the avenue planting in through the Barossa Valley. Mm. Beautiful plant. Well, you've given us some great options there. Thank you so much. That's 10, isn't it? We've done the 10. Yep. <clears throat> So thank you for that, Keith. Right. I think you've given us a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of it, a, a little lot of interesting varieties there. So once that tree now has been chosen mm-hmm. though, and purchased, yep. there are a few key things to remember at planting stage. So I thought we should perhaps have a quick talk about that let's because do you that, don't just choose a tree, you don't bring the it home. Most important thing, isn't exactly. It? So let's run through those. What do we do first? Do we dig a hole? Do you think that's a good start? Well, that's a good start because it's very hard to get a pot without a hole. <laughs> potted, plant, potted planted without a hole. <laughs> how wide, how deep should that hole right, be, so, Keith? Because sometimes people can make yeah, a bit of a mistake Okay, that. so I always suggest that the, the, the size of the hole that you're going to dig needs to be twice the size of the pot you're putting in, at least. Width and, but if, and, but, and depth? And or? depth. No, no. no. You, you, need to, you need to go twice the width yes. of the pot as yes. a minimum and the depth of... The, the deeper you can go down and break up that soil and add lots of beautiful compost mm-hmm. um, into that soil so that it gives it a great chance to, to sort of get established. Um, and that compost shouldn't just go straight into the bottom of the hole, should it? It should be actually no, mixed No, it should in. be mixed through yeah. it. You know, it's, it's going to be mixed through it so it's a part of that, that soil structure. Mm-hmm. It's a great amendment for that plant. It's going to set it up. But the thing you really need to understand too is what your soil type is like. If you've got a heavy clay soil and you dig a hole twice the size – and don't do anything to it, that and put the plants in that hole, that hole can then become a reservoir. It just fills up with water. Mm. So you've got to make sure that, you, you, that, that that soil has the ability to drain. And that's why I always prefer people to be planting these beautiful specimen trees during the autumn period mm. where there is still warmth in the ground that will encourage the root settlement but there's not an overabundance of water mm. in that in that soil, yep. so it gets a chance to sort of rest in its new home. Yes, yes. When it's so when it's been planted in this lovely sort of fresh soil, mm-hmm. uh, should it be fertilised at all? Or no, not? I, I don't. If you're going to put anything on it, don't put a fertiliser. Use a substance like a seaweed solution. So sea salt, for instance, is a great one. Mm. It aids root development and cell structure in that newly planted plant mm. one of the things that a lot of people do is that if they're planting on a day that it's raining they think to themselves oh well i don't need the water mm. and that's the biggest mistake you can make yeah. because once you put the plant into that hole you need to firm that soil back in around that um that that particular pot and you've got to have that have it so that um the the height of the of the pot reflects the soil so if you've got a heavy 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 soil Keep the plant, keep the the top of the pot a little bit higher, yeah, yeah. so that the water will run off, and rather than go down and, and just sit in the sit in the moisture. But if you've got a very very sandy soil, even after you put the compost in, then have it down a little bit deeper, so you've got this dish effect yeah. that 
acts as a bit of a saucer to retain the, retain that the, the moisture, and then you need to put in at least a minimum of ten liters of water into that, regardless of whether it's a you know a, a six inch pot or one hundred and forty mil pot, one hundred mil pot, or a two hundred and fifty or three hundred mil pot. Yeah. Ten yeah. liters of water into that into that space, and that's generally enough to sort of get it set up for success. And what about a bit of a stake? We need to stake yes, it. Yes, you, you can. You can if it, if the tree is is a little bit unstable. Um, because of your soil structure, then put two stakes in. Put one on either side and then use a flexible tie of some sort, not a rigid tie because if you put a rigid tie in, that plant will think that that is its support and it won't develop a a system, a root system that will help it anchor itself. Mm. It'll move and get what's called wind rock where the wind blows it and the tree can, can fall over and break Remember to remove those stakes down the track a little bit too. Yeah, Don't leave if them you, in there. If you, if you actually use a hardwood stake, which is probably the best thing you can do, that hardwood stake's not going to last forever anyway. It'll rot off. Okay, that's a good idea. Okay. Okay, so uh, and what about keeping grass away from the uh, the base of the tree, Keith? Yeah, it, it's much easier because if, if you put a bit of a mulch around it so that the weeds and stuff aren't going to be competing with the nutrients that that plant's living in, uh, that's a great thing. And it's also good because if you have, have grass coming up around the trunk and you get someone going out there to brush cut it with a whipper snipper or something. It might just whipper snip the whole thing. Ring bark it. That's oh, the problem. Yeah, that too. Might... And that's it finished. Yeah. Tree over. All that time and effort and exactly. money spent gone. Okay. Well, thank you again for that wonderful advice and for those great choices as well. Um, and I've decided to finish today's podcast with a Chinese proverb. Oh. <laughs> Why not? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Exactly. We hope this inspires you all to find a spot or two in your garden to plant a tree. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.